welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we are joined by Dr. John Perkins as we conclude our series, Conversations. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. Dr. Perkins, it is a treat uh, and really an honor to be here with you. Uh, you've been a mentor from afar, got to read your books in grad school, and have influenced me. And um, I would love for you just to start by sharing a little bit about your story, growing up uh, in the South, um, when you did as a black man. Um, there were some real challenges, to say the least, you went through. Maybe you could just share a couple of those yeah. things. Well, yeah, it's been a challenge. Somebody once said, uh, I've been struggling with life all of my life, but you're not conscious of it until you look back because it's normal. I think the first thing you have to realize that I did not come from a typical Christian background. So I didn't have the virtues that Christianity bring. Then you have to know who we was, that we was bootleggers and gamblers. And so to break the law and to be outside of the law, you're conscious of that. Doing wrong was a virtue Hmm. because it was our living coming from the sharecropper system. So I didn't know anything about, I'm not the typical black Pentecostal, Baptist, uh, those are all good, but I didn't have those as background. And I, and I had to discover the church after I was converted. My mother died at seven months old. My father giving us away and he moving away and finding another wife, but that did not want the children. And so uh, we grew up, and then my, he dro- dropped us off at his his mother's house, our grandmother. She ended up giving away three of the kids, and uh, and I then my uh, one of my oldest sister, she just uh, almost dropped out of life. It was eventually killed by her boyfriend, and kept my oldest brother. So he was the he was the, the one that was was my brother. I finally got to know all of my siblings that had been given away, to, basically to family members. But then when we, we fast forward, um, as a young man, I think you experienced something that was just horrific when your when your brother Clyde died. Yeah, well, that, that, that was an important thing. At a theater and, and where he was uh, in line to go upstairs because whites and blacks couldn't sit together there, and uh, then him getting shot. But there was a little hope stimulating because people was migrating out of Mississippi. And that's what got us out after my brother was killed. It was a devastating uh, deal. And they thought maybe that I'd probably be next killed. And so they wanted me to get out of here and I went to California. So then you ended up moving from Mississippi to, to California. 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 At, ended at, up in the military. Got married, right? See, I got married because I met Vera Mae, and she was the most beautiful black woman I ever seen. And people always ask me then, what did you do? I said, I got a fool, don't you know? <laughs> and I've been with her for 65 years. <laughs> I'm not crazy. There you go. Yeah, yeah. And it was out there that I, uh, after marrying her, coming out of service, I went to service, came out, and we started a family. And, uh, and it was my oldest son. He was about three, three and a half years old, going to a good news club. And I began to watch his behavior. 
and it was developing something there, a sort, again, a sort of a culture of, of love. I went to this man who was teaching the Good News Club to the people who was teaching their children, and so he had a club, uh, uh, a Friday morning Bible study, and he had a Tuesday night Bible club study, and I began to go to that, and uh, he said, uh, let me disciple you. And for almost three years, I would meet with him once or twice a week. And that was really where, I mean, you came to know Jesus was real. And that was also, if I know your story too, that's where you began to understand the scriptures, understand the Bible, and kind of your personal calling. So if you would, talk about, talk about how understanding scripture and what God's word has to say about race and reconciliation and how it's really influenced your life's work. Yeah, well, so it's really God's word. One of my friends told me about a bookstore the lady had been a missionary. She was a white lady in, from Brazil. She had been to Brazil as a missionary. She's the one who told me early on that the Bible is a story about the revelation of God to man. And she, it's a one story. And she said, you need to read the whole story. Hmm. And this was early on. And so I said, that's right. She's a Bible teacher. She's been a missionary. She's selling books. Uh, and, uh, and I see everybody in there, the bookstore, pastors and everybody else. And I said, uh, and she took to me. And, uh, and, uh, and I started reading it. It was a big task. I didn't read that well. And I came to Genesis 12. Uh, and that began to get the foundation of my work. But it went something like this. And God had said to Abram, get thee out from among your family and from your father's house. I will bless them that bless you. I will curse them that curse you. And through you, Abraham, all the families of the earth could be blessed. And somehow I put myself into Abraham. And, and and put myself into his obedience, and somehow I thought that is what a believer needs to do. To be a blessing. It's to be a blessing. What Abraham found, he found the person of God behind the word. Right. He found Elsidah. He found the God, and that's who he went out to find him. And he found a way to that God, and there's only two ways there by faith and grace. But for you to get to those words and for you to get to that place too, there's a lot more that you, you went through. Yeah. Um, uh, in reading your book too, I know it was, I think it was in 1970 that you found yourself in jail. Yeah. Um, what, could you talk to us a little bit about that event? And yeah, that, that was a, as I look back at it now, I didn't see it. Uh, it was a defining, I think, moment in my life when uh, the beating of a black young man and for calling a white girl, supposedly, let's acknowledge he might have done that, on the phone and asking her for a date. And they arresting him and putting him in jail and beating him. And then that evening, I was in a store, me and another young man, and one of my friends from the community, he was about half drunk black, and, and we wanted to get him out of there. Well, the policeman came and, uh, and, and, and arrested him and carried him to jail. And so we went up to see 
saw the light. Are they going to beat him up too? Mm-hmm. But we also thought our present might not, they might not beat him. And they locked us in jail. Out of that, that night, my wife and others say, we're going to have a boycott until they let us out of jail. And the kids got locked in jail with me. And so a protest came after that. But I saw that night when I was uh, being tortured. I got in touch with racism. It was confusing to me why they hated us so severely. They was going to not let us do what we was going to do. And we had come to the jail to participate in our freedom. Mm -hmm. And I saw the hatred and saw the meanness. And I call it evil. Those people looked evil. But when I began to think about it, my reaction to it, if I'd have had an atomic grenade, I would have pulled the plug. I then saw myself just as bad as them. In fact, my reaction was going to be bigger than the action. And I saw we was broken. And, and I, we was broken. I'm talking about white folk broken. I'm talking about black folk broken. I, I, I see our situation had made us deeply sinful. And I didn't understand it as deep as I'm telling you now. Mm-hmm. But that was an emotional understanding. And I said, Lord, if you let me out of this jail, I want to preach your gospel. He got me out of jail. We got out of jail after that torture. After we were tortured, you can't imagine. Torture is normal. Mm-hmm. I think we are seeing some of that with the cameras. When you arrest people, torture is normal. You know, stepping on people, uh, killing them, slapping them in the face, doing all those kind of things, it's normal. Every time I'd open the Bible, he would say things like, unless you can forgive those who trespass against you. I would, I stopped reading my Bible because I thought I might have to do that. And now I'm learning. This is something I'm learning now, right now. You can't get to where we want to go without forgiving each other. That's what he came into the world for. And we got to forgive each other. Jesus made a parable that was definite. Unless you can forgive those who trespass against you, how do you expect God to forgive you? And so at the heart of the redemption message, they shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. And the incarnational redemptive story is about the way he go about it. So for the last, really the last 50 years almost now, since that point, you've been living that as best you can, teaching that. And I think, could we say some progress has been made? Yeah, yeah, we yeah. still got a long ways to go. And, 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 and we, we still got enough freedom to try it. Right. We won the battle of wholesale discrimination and persecution by a nation. There's still isolation. There's still dumb policemen. And there are still a young black who uh, is overreacting. Uh, but we now can see the battle much better. Mm-hmm. That we got to have a, a, some kind of a, 
spiritual reaction that calls for some authentic reconciliation. And, and, and it's got to be the job of both of us. You, black folk can't do this by themselves. White folks can't do this. White folks can't hold the ground by themselves. Somehow or another, we got to do this together. Now, you do you know Galatians is a racial reconciliation book? Peter behaves wrongly. When the Jews come up, he discriminates against the Gentiles, and that was the reconciliation back in those days. And Paul, that letter is written because he said, you'll so soon turn away from the gospel. When you discriminate Peter like this, you so good, turn away from the gospel. And then Paul said, let me tell you about myself then. What about you, Paul? I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The Christian life is the outliving of a reconciled life. I'm dead to that old way. If anyone be in Christ, they're new creation. The old racism based on race or color is gone, and the new has come. Now is the time. The day you hear my voice, harden not your heart. Let's move forward. Now is the time to do it. And I'm seeing it, and that's what's motivating me in these last days. And and what I'm trying to do now is encourage this generation, but centered on this incarnational message, this good news of great joy, that, that he can redeem us, that he can and that we can do this together. I know one of the, uh, the words that uh, means a lot to you uh, comes straight from Scripture that you've used over and over again, both in speaking and in writing, is justice. And justice can mean a, mean a lot of different things to different people. But from a biblical point of view, describe kind of your understanding of what's justice. Justice is a stewardship of the earth and the resources in the world. Justice is an economic matter. Uh, justice is asking who owns the earth. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof and all that dwells in. Justice is putting people back to work without neglecting the poor. So justice is how we treat each other. Not to kill each other, not discriminate against each other, but share the resources. I, I, I think working for people's health and well-being, if they're hungry, feed them. But, but join with them. Let's eat together then. Don't just pile them up with too much food. We have found what rehabilitates people in prison. Get a Bible class going, fellowship with them while they're in there. When they come out, receive them into your local church, give them a place to sleep, and then find them a job. You almost undone the thing when you do that. Now, they need that fellowship because, because that fellowship keeps them away somewhat from and busy from their old friend. And a, and a house with someone in it gives them some companionship. 
you've always been an advocate for battling racism and, and really in saying that love is a better way to, to fight than violence. Um, and that's what you challenge the church with, you challenge church leaders with, you challenge Christ followers with. Um, how do we do that? How do we fight with love? A little bit of what I just said. I think that the word that Paul would use is a practical word. Receive each other without judging each other. Receive each other. I mean, in conversation now. I'm learning this now. I'm learning. I'm learning right from this generation. So you and I, we grew up in very different contexts. We heard a little about your story. Yeah. Growing up in a, as a poor kid in a broken home, broken family. And black. I grew up, and black, yes. I grew up as a white kid mm-hmm. in a suburban family, middle class. Um, very different circumstances. Using us as an example for everybody else, what do you believe, based on your story, based on what we know in Scripture, helps us connect, helps us better understand one another, and uh, kind of overcome any of those barriers? I, I really think, making it quick, I think that Moses meant to say something when he said, in creation, the image of God created him. Male and female created them. I think Moses had something in his mind when he said, and Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. When Cain went out from the presence of the Lord, why God didn't kill him? He didn't lose the image of God. That Cain thought God was going, he was going to be killed. But God, we bear the image and the likeness of God. And Adam bears the image and the likeness of God in life. I think that, I think our Constitution, some, some people will get, you know, smart people to say, oh, Thomas Jefferson and all those founding fathers, they were deists. They might have been. But they, they stepped deep into the wisdom of God. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all human, they meant all probably white men. But that next morning they got up and they took the white men off. That's probably what they still meant. But they realized that that wasn't truthful. That wouldn't stick with the creative story. Because God wasn't making two or three human races, He'd make it one. That's the biblical ideal. Your, uh, your, your latest book, and congratulations on this, uh, Dream With Me. There, there, there's one, one place in there, I think it's, it's on page 21, where you write this. You say, truth be told, I've forgotten more of what has happened than I can remember. I like it that way because I always seek to focus on God giving me new dreams. And I would love for you to share with our church just what are some dreams that God has given you today? I, I, I think the biggest one now is really trying to learn how to love, trying to learn how to accept each other, trying to, as much as we can, accept people without condemning them. Uh, I, I, I think that's what made Jesus so powerful. He didn't condemn the woman was called an adulterer. Those are big questions. He received her. He didn't accommodate her. 
He said, go and sin no more. He didn't condemn the Samaritan woman. He received her. He told me everything I'd done. He, he didn't expose me to the public, but he told me what I've been holding secret. It has been uh, terrific to be with you here uh, in Jackson, Mississippi. What I'd love for you to do is we're wrapping up. There's several thousand people that are listening in here on uh, this conversation. Would, would you just take just a moment and just kind of challenge them on this topic of race and um, what really God's Word you think has to say to them? Just kind of a one challenge for them. Yeah, Lord, to think of the image of God, to think of one human race, to think of that one God and one mediator between God and humanity, and that one is Christ Jesus. And we need to know him and seeking to know him and seeking to make him known and to know that he's love. Everything is wrapped around love. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Get to know that Savior. Try to get to know him, to learn from him. Could you just could you say a prayer yeah. to kind of close it out and uh, just pray for uh, pray for our church uh, that we could be a part of both the Jesus mission but also your mission? Oh Father, thank you for our time together and for our looking into your truth, your word, and having this fellowship around a purpose, and that purpose is discipleship and really racial reconciliation and justice. Those very important elements that that creates the wholeness of the gospel. Bless us, bless this congregation, and bless this worldwide movement of receiving people and loving people. Go with us and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.